All men everywhere. All men. How many of you know that all men have not called upon the name of the Lord as of yet? And so it is the will of God uh, for all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now, before all men can come to the knowledge of the truth, they first of all got to be saved. And the plan of God and the will of God is for the church to pray for men and women to hear the gospel and them to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. Amen? And you know, Jesus, uh, the scripture says that he looked at the harvest and he saw all the people that were, you know, scattered and lost as sheep without a shepherd. And he looked at them with great compassion and he prayed that, Lord, send labors. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into his harvest. And so you're one of those labors. I'm one of those labors. We are volunteers in the day of his power. Which means we step in and we step up and we do whatever necessary to be a end time harvester on God's timetable. I'm an end time harvester. We're harvesting people out of darkness into light. Glory to God. And uh, of course, you know, we need to pray that people will be saved. Asking the Lord uh, uh, for rain in the time of the latter rain. Asking for heaven's help and a great unction upon the body of Christ. And a great anointing upon us, praise the Lord. Enabling us to be those bright witnesses for the Lord. See, we are ambassadors for Christ. And what an ambassador is and does, an ambassador represents uh, another country. We have an ambassador perhaps in Israel tonight. Well, he's representing the United States of America. He's not a citizen of Israel. He's a citizen of the UC USA. An ambassador then carries out the orders, if you will, of the commander in chief, or at least should be. Amen. Well, we as ambassadors, we're just here for a while. Our citizenship is not in this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so as ambassadors, glory to God, we represent our homeland. Our homeland is heaven. And we are carrying out the commands and the orders of our commander in chief. And our commander in chief told us, he said, go ye now into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe, or these signs shall accompany the believing ones, or these signs shall follow the ambassadors that represent the king when they come in his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so in my name, he says, they, believers, shall cast out devils. In my name, believers shall speak with new tongues. In my name, believers, ambassadors, shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. And if these ambassadors drink anything deadly, it'll not hurt them. Glory to God. And so then these disciples, these apostles, these ambassadors went forth, preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them, and then he confirmed the word with signs following. In other words, he backed up what they preach because he's the commander in chief and he's got the power and transferred that power to you and me. In Acts 1.8, he said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he says, as a result of that power coming upon you, 
He didn't say you'll just sit in the church and be a light in the church. We should come to church, be fed in church. But we're not really the light of the church. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. He says you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he says, and you shall be witnesses for me. Amen. You know what a witness is, don't you? A witness biblically is one who testifies and gives evidence or proof to someone that exists and someone who has been raised from the dead. And that's Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness from the witnesses? Your life is a witness for him. As an ambassador of the king, you are a witness for him. Your life speaks. Your life preaches. How you conduct yourself and how you live and how you operate in this earth is speaking to people all around us. Amen? How we conduct ourselves on the job. How we conduct ourselves in being prompt and and full of integrity and paying our bills on time. It is a witness. It's not a witness when you hide. Amen. And withdraw. Say with me, I am an ambassador. I am a witness for the Lord. And so, he said, I exhort that first of all, intercessions, prayers, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And what we do when we pray is we stand in the gap. That's what an intercessor does. He stands in the gap between the living one, that's the Lord, And the dead, right? Those are people that don't know Christ. People that don't know Jesus are spiritually dead. But God loves them. And you and I who have been illuminated and who have been raised from the dead and who are ambassadors and have the knowledge of how to pray, we hold on to God in one hand for them with our other hand on those that are lost. And we ask God for his mercy and for his grace and for his anointing. Praise God for those to come out of darkness into the light. He said, I exhort that first of all, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. Amen. And then once you prayed for all men, then you pray for kings. Then you pray for all those that are in authority. Amen? Now, whoever wins the presidency of the United States next week, just mark it down in your heart that he is your president. We don't have a she running this year, do we? No, he will be your president. And so you need to lift your president up regularly. Amen? Glory to God. Now... I think uh, uh, religion makes prayer uh, a ritual. Religion makes prayer something that is uh, done out of duty rather than done out of relationship. Religion will always ritualize uh, prayer. But if you will notice in the word of God, prayer is communing with the Father. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Look over at Mark chapter uh, 1, and uh, let's see, I think it's verse 35. Mark the first chapter, and uh, verse 35. Say it with me, prayer, prayer. Is, communing is communing with your Father. We could say it's fellowshipping with your Father. See, the Father is our Heavenly Father, and He has a family. And he's not God, someone distant away from us. No, he's our heavenly father. 
And he's placed on the inside of you the spirit of sonship. And on the inside of you, you're to cry out, Daddy, Daddy. And so just like you want your children to have a relationship and to have a fellowship with you, don't you? So our Heavenly Father wants to commune with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to hear from us. Amen. Very important. Um, in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, I believe, are you there? All right, notice this with me. Let's read it together. Ready, read. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Let's stop right there. Everyone ought to have a place of prayer. Every one of us. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you need to get up at three in the morning and drive out to some country road and pray. But a solitary place means this, a place where you can get off by yourself. A place where you can get away from being distracted, right? And so obviously, you know, the Lord was uh, facing a lot of people that needed a lot of things. But he put his prayer ministry as a premium and as a high priority. I believe we need to do the same thing. So it says, he rose up uh, uh, and went into a solitary place. And there, what did he do? He prayed. If he needed to pray, I need to pray. We all need to pray. And he prayed. So, you know, in communing with his heavenly father, you know he heard from him. You know he got direction. You know that... He was in close contact with him because he said things like this. Whatever I hear the father say, that's what I'm going to say. Whatever I see the father do, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You don't come to that place, you know, casually. You come to that place by close communion. Amen. Now let's notice the next few verses. Verse 36. And Simon and all that were with him followed after him. Let's just follow it down through the end of the chapter. And when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. All men seek for thee. So there were people that were pressing upon him. Next verse. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore I came forth. Next verse. And he preached there in their synagogues throughout a Galilee, and he cast out devils, verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him. And he said unto him, if thou wilt, you can make me clean. Now that's a whole message there that we don't have to go, need, need to go into. But he, doubt, you know, he had no doubt about his ability. He just didn't, you know, he wasn't convinced about his willingness. Well, the next verse answers it real quickly. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He put forth his hand. He touched him. And he said unto him, I will be thou clean. The I will of Jesus canceled the man's doubt in his willingness. Now, I want you to see something here. Prayers communion with the Father. He did that regularly. All men were looking for him. And then during the day, a leper came to him. Now notice what flowed out of Jesus. And notice what first flowed out of him and then what took place. Jesus was moved with what? He was moved with 
compassion. He was moved with the love of the Father. He was moved, we could say, with the mercy of the Father. Living close to the Father, living close to the Word, living in divine communion with your Heavenly Father will cause you to be compassionate. You can't fellowship in the throne of grace and pal around with your Heavenly Father and not have His attributes rub off on you. Say it with me. Jesus was filled with compassion. Very, very, uh, very important uh, truth here. Somebody says, well, uh, you know, I don't pray much. Well, it's probably because you're not in the Word much. And it's probably because you're not very filled with the Spirit much. I've discovered this in my own life. I've found this out. That the more Word I have in me, the fuller I am of the Word, the more confidence I have in my prayer life. And the fuller I am of the Word, the easier it is for me then also to be filled with the Spirit. It is the will of God for you never to lose that glow. It is the will of God for you never to lose that Spirit-filled experience. Amen? That's why Ephesians says, but you but be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks unto the Lord. Last Saturday I was in fellowship with the Lord and he began to show me some things. And I won't share all of it with you because a lot of it was for me. Uh, but I'm going to take parts of what he shared with me. And, uh, and do my very best to uh, communicate this. The Lord showed me like a baseball diamond. Well, it's baseball season, right? The Giants won the World Series. Okay? Be nice if people in San Francisco were at least a third excited about Jesus as they are the Giants. But he showed me first base, second base, and third base. The first base that he showed me is the Word. First base is the Word of God and its place it must have in our lives. First base is the Word of God and its place that it must have in our lives. We could say it like this, the Word of God must be our final authority. And the Word of God that is continued in and constantly read and meditated upon and spoken will not easily depart from your life. And it's real, um, it's real uh, subtle because Christians get out of the Word and they go by what they remember the Word says. And instead of looking at the Word, and instead of constantly and continuously speaking the Word, amen, purposefully, that Word then starts departing from them. And so the Lord reminded me, 
and I believe he wants me to share it with you, that the word of God is your bread and your fresh manna from heaven. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I heard this truth years ago and it's branded in my spirit. Romans 10, 17 does not say, so then faith cometh by having heard. But faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, faith will come to you as you hear me speak the word. But faith will come to you ever so quickly and be ever so powerful and on tap as you hear yourself say God's word regularly. So say it with me. God's word word must be be final authority. authority. Then the second base that the Lord showed me, the second base is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And and not just a one-time experience. I want to stress that because here's what happens with a lot of people is they get filled with the spirit. They may speak with other tongues, but as far as having an ongoing spiritual uh, intimacy and communion with the Holy Spirit, as far as speaking in tongues regularly as a means of building themselves up, this isn't happening in a lot of people's lives. It's not happening. And I quoted it to you. But I want you to notice Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Ephesians the 5th chapter. Verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. (laughs) But what? But be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek it literally says this. But be being filled. And that means be continuously filled with the Spirit. Amen? We must have constant infillings and renewals of the Holy Spirit regularly. And of course in verse 19 it says how to do this. Speaking to yourselves. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? That gives you something to do, doesn't it? That doesn't necessarily say coming to church. However, this is a filling station. And you can be filled in this church. But notice with me, he says, if you want to stay full of the Holy Spirit, take responsibility and start speaking to yourself. There's something about speaking that causes one to be filled. There's something about speaking that causes faith to come. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Next verse, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now... First base, full of the Word. Second base, full of the Spirit. 
And the Lord showed me that the result of staying full of the Spirit will be strength, continuously being encouraged in the Lord, and being led by the Spirit. You see, when you're full of the Spirit, being led of the Spirit is a byproduct of just being full. I mean, it just, it's a flow. You're led by the Holy Ghost. Amen? And then third base is what God showed me is this. Third base is really prayer. Prayer is the result of being word-filled, spirit-filled, and for your prayers to be spirit-filled... Or for you to have the spirit of prayer and for our prayers to be effectual and dynamic in their working. Amen. Amen. That we must not miss base one. We must not miss base two. But if you will touch base one regularly... And you will touch base two regularly. You'll be in the spirit. And from that place in the spirit. Then the spirit of prayer. Will just flow through you like a river. And you'll be able to pray here. You'll be able to pray things out over there. It'll almost like it'll be effortless. Because the Holy Spirit will just lead you down the path of the spirit of prayer. Glory to God. And here's uh, the last thing about that. That is this. (laughs) Glory Glory to God. The Lord said, when you touch all bases, you'll be batting a thousand. And you'll have continual home runs in your life personally, relationally, physically. Financially and ministerially. I'm out to hit a thousand. How about you? But there's too many weak Christians. There's too many anemic Christians. And my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. You get out you get out of the word, you'll get weak. You get out of praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll get weak. And then when it's time to rise up in the spirit of prayer, you won't be able to. But the good news is, you stay full of the word. You stay full of the Holy Ghost. And the spirit of prayer will just flow right through you like a a river. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so prayer is communing with the Father. Prayer is communing with the Father. And one of the, the greatest ingredients... Uh, of prayer and one of the most necessary ingredients of prayer is the love of God look at Romans chapter 5 verse 5 if you would Romans the 5th chapter and notice with me in verse 5 I believe this that purposeful powerful prayer must be prayed from a pure heart, motivated by the love of God. Read it with me, if you would, in Romans 5, verse 5. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed, 
Because the love of God is shed abroad where? It's shed abroad where? In your emotions? No, thank God it's shed abroad in your heart. Hallelujah. A pure heart will always produce pure power. A pure heart, free from strife, free from unforgiveness, will always produce burden-removing and yoke-destroying power. Amen? Look at John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 from the Amplified Version. John 16, verse 13 and 14, Amplified. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth. For he shall not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he bears, hears from the Father, and he will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Verse 14 says, He will glorify and honor me because he will take and receive and draw upon what is mine and will reveal and declare and disclose and transmit it to you. Listen, friends, effective prayer always begins with the Father. Prayer is like a circle. What the Holy Ghost does is he puts the Father's desires into our hearts. Amen? And then we return them to Him in the form of prayer. Isn't that awesome? He gives you those desires. Then you return them in the form of prayer. Glory to God. And then He sends the answer. And then we praise Him. It's just like a continual circle of prayer. Amen. And so God then has given you and I dominion. In this earth, and he's looking for men and he's looking for women to speak his word, to speak his desires, to pray out his plans into this realm in which we live. And I submit to you this, this, this afternoon or tonight or wherever we are, the Holy Ghost is my helper in prayer. I said the Holy Ghost is our helper in prayer. He has been sent to reveal the heart of the Father and to anoint you and to anoint me to speak what's in his heart. Oh, glory to God. What's in your heart? That's inquiring of the Lord. Lord, I'm thinking about doing this, but what is it that you want? Lord, I want to pray about this. How would you have me to pray? What are your thoughts concerning this? It's inquiring of the Lord. It's catching the spirit of prayer and it's tapping in to the heart of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing that is. Now what kind of heart is going to be in the kind of condition to receive those kind of signals and those kind of promptings from heaven. I'll tell you what kind of heart. A heart that's undefiled. A heart that's free from doubt. A heart that's free from anxiety. A heart that's free from worry and strife. The kind of heart that God is looking for for prayers 
is hearts that are filled with the Spirit and filled with the love of God. Did you know that not walking in love can cause static in your signals? (laughs) So then, the love of God was the preeminent force that Jesus flowed in and operated in. You will see him moved with compassion. You will see him healing the sick and and raising the dead and, and feeding the multitudes and just awesome miracles and tremendous exploits came as a result of the compassion that he had. But that compassion was fueled by the fellowship and the communion that he had with his father. You see, God is love. And he that dwelleth in God dwelleth in love and love in him. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Look at Philippians, the third chapter. And uh, notice with me a, a, a verse over there. The Apostle Paul in uh, Philippians 3, verse 10 in the Amplified said something that was really interesting. He said, My determined purpose is that I may, what? Or we could say, my determined purpose is that I may know him. The way you get to know him is you know him through the word. You know him through communion with him. Paul didn't say that my determined purpose is to get people healed, did he? Paul did not say that my determined purpose is to have the the biggest ministry in the Middle East. But Paul said, my determined purpose is that I may know him. What if that was your determined purpose? I wonder what would happen if you determined in your heart that you're going to get to know him better than you ever have before. My determined purpose. In other words, there's going to be some effort in doing this. Is that I may know him. And then he goes on to say that I may progressively become more deeply, intimately acquainted with him. Oh, that's awesome. So getting to know him then is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. That I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Glory to God. The wonders of his person. Are you here tonight? Are you too uh, sugarized or something? Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. You can get to know him better. You can get acquainted with him. And as a result of getting acquainted with him, Job says, thereby great good shall come unto you. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. So Paul is saying, once I tap into getting more acquainted with him, and once I progressively grow in that, the power outflowing of his resurrection is just going to be automatic. 
See, too many Christians are looking for the miraculous and looking for the power, but they're skipping the base of acquaintance. That I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection. Getting back to base one, you know Him through the Word. Amen? You know Him by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will always reveal Jesus. He will always reveal the Father to you. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, my determined purpose is that I may know you and the power of your resurrection. See, to the degree that we know him will also be the degree of his resurrection power flowing through us. Now, one thing that you will see and understand when you get over into the presence of God, you'll pick up on what's important to him. And you know what the number one thing that is important to him? The Bible says, the precious fruit of the earth. Again, it's souls. And so then, when we pray just for a little while tonight, we will be able to pick up on the heartbeat of the Father. We'll be able to flow in the love of God for harvest. Amen? I believe this, that love... Walking in love is a safeguard for you and I in our prayer life. Years ago, Brother Hagen, this was back in uh, February of 28, in 1981. That's a few years ago, isn't it? 1981 would be over 30 years, right? This is interesting. He... uh, He had a word about the praying church. Everyone say the praying church. He said, some would say our church is a singing church. Others would say our church is a word church. Some would say our church is a power church. But yea, says the Lord, I'm seeking for a praying church. I'm seeking for those. Now this ties in with with what I believe the Holy Spirit is just encouraging all of us in tonight. Is to a deeper walk with Him. A more intimacy, acquaintance with Him. He says, but thus saith the Lord, I'm seeking for a praying church. I'm seeking for those that will wait upon me. You do that through communion. You do that through fellowship. He's looking for people to wait on him. And those who wait upon the Lord, what will they do? They shall renew their strength. They will exchange their strength for his strength. Like Patsy taught us a couple of months ago or whenever it was, we will exchange our thoughts for his thoughts. And that's important in prayer. Amen. But thus saith the Lord, I'm seeking for a praying church. I'm seeking for those who will wait upon me. For you can never sing like you ought to sing until you've waited upon me, says the Lord. You can never praise like you should praise. You can never walk in faith to the extent that you should walk in faith until you've waited upon me. Until prayer 
is as much a part of your being as breathing is to your physical man. Isn't that awesome? You can never really enjoy the fullness of the word. And the power will never be in full manifestation until you become known as a praying church. And so a praying church is where every member prays. A praying church is where every member communes with the Father regularly and not just corporately. I want to read part of this again. You can never sing like you ought to sing until you waited upon me. Amen. How do you suppose Pastor Tom can sing like he sings? You think that's automatic? Him just coming up to the piano and ripping off a few songs? No, he spends time waiting on the Lord. Amen? Amen? Doing what? Stirring up the gift that's on the inside of him. Amen? What would it be like if more of us waited upon the Lord before we came to church? Just a thought. For you can never praise like you should. <laughs> you can never really walk in faith to the extent that you should walk in faith until you've waited. Until prayer is as much a part of your being as breathing is to your physical man. Glory to God. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all come to the front, come to the altar, all of you, if you would. We're going to lead you in prayer tonight for a few moments. Just all come to the altar. Let's gather around. Let's lift up our voice for a few moments. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we worship you. We love you. We magnify your name tonight.